wandering journo at Stories That Matter Studios. I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town. The podcast that takes you on an audio journey highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. Buckle up to meet a great array of ordinary, everyday, incredible Australians. This podcast is brought to you by DM Podcasts, part of Diamantina Media, with more than 25 million downloads for a range of shows such as The Batuta Advocate and Chat 10 Looks 3. Streets of Your Town podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians on whose land this story was gathered, the Turrbal and Yagara peoples. I acknowledge that for tens of thousands of years, First Nations people walked this country and shared stories on this great land down under, and I walk in their footsteps today. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. This episode of Streets of Your Town is a story of hope and reconciliation through science. The people of the Torres Strait Islands in far north Queensland have known for thousands upon thousands of years how their people have journeyed far across the Coral Sea and now, finally, that First Nations knowledge is being more widely recognised. The Queensland Museum exhibition, Connections Across the Coral Sea, a story of movement, brings together First Nations knowledge with archaeological research, showcasing for the first time a part of Queensland history that has not been previously acknowledged. It shows how extensive international trade and relationships between ancient seafaring cultures of southern New Guinea, Torres Strait and the northeast coast of Queensland went back thousands of years, much further than science traditionally gave credence to. Rare Lapita pottery from an ancient midden on Lizard Island is on display, along with a large outrigger canoe that is not simply a functional vessel for travelling across vast oceans, but also a beautiful piece of art that has a life of its own. At the launch of the exhibition, I was lucky enough to interview a traditional owner whose expertise was pivotal in bringing this exhibition together, Dingle spokesman Kenneth McLean, who explains how significant it is to have their extensive history given the platform it deserves. My name's Kenneth McLean. Kenneth, this must be a very exciting day for you to see all this history finally being given recognition that it deserves here at the Queensland Museum. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a great outcome for the First Nations people, traditional owners of, of our country and also the archaeological science. It's been a great outcome. Because for so many years it just wasn't really <laughs> acknowledged, was it? Whereas this is history that you and your families going back thousands of years have known for a long time. Yeah, it, it, it was always important with our people. Our, our elders would talk about our, our ceremonies and law that our old people would have on country and have that connection across country and across the water and for the scientific community and for the research to find this evidence there and put that together and here we have that our indigenous people weren't isolated on this continent. And for so long, white history saw it as that we were very isolated. But in fact, seeing your quote on the wall there, it says that you're part of the oldest international trade in Australia. Yeah, it's, we're part of the oldest trade in Australia. And with that, 
our ancestors gave us law and ceremonies on the land and the sea, and that's where our connection across this coral sea, our indigenous people were moving. Their law was on the land and their law was on the sea. I hope, do you hope that this brings more appreciation for the richness of Torres Strait Islander culture, of, of your culture? Yes, for the indigenous communities of Cape York and the Torres Strait Islander communities, you know, the, the cultural significance that we value is a part of this ancient history that must be told and it has been a great outcome for all us First Nations people. It's good to see your oral history finally being given that respect that it deserves too. The significant culture that we value, you know, um, it's the story, it's the law on the land and with the law on the land and the sea that becomes a history that's as ancient as it is, you know. It, it just looks like it's like a finally the two cultures have crossed and actually understand each other a bit um, more. <laughs> yep, and that's for for the First Nations people communities working with the Center of Excellence and from the JCU. It's also good to see that they're using the traditional names of the artifacts as well. That that's a big part of it, not just the English names. Um, yeah, um, most of the traditional artifacts has a traditional name, a language name for it all, and. Good to, good to see that recognised. Um, yeah, having, having that recognised and having First Nation come together with the archaeological science is something, it's a positive step, to, step towards our future. And just finally, these canoes are actually really significant. They're not just a canoe, they're not just wood, they're actually living beings. Is that correct? Um, yep. Could you tell me about that? Um, yeah, this... The canoe's been around for a very long time and our ancestors have been travelling with these canoes and they are, uh, canoes are part of our law and ceremonies on the water. And the artworks are actually, they're more than just artworks really, aren't they, that, that go on the side of the canoes here that we're looking at? Um, yeah, they're, they're more than artwork. Um, it's, it's ancient for the trading for the people that's been traveling across their stories and um, it represents their significance of their culture. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful, it's lovely to see it all in, in one room and I hope that so many people can come to see it. Um, yeah, we want to share our story with all, we hope all to come and visit the museum. Wonderful, thank you so much Kenneth, really appreciate it. Thank you. I also spoke to one of the key archaeologists involved in this research, Professor of Indigenous Archaeology Ian McNiven from Monash University. He says the exhibition is a pivotal development in science finally recognising the oral history of this region that has been handed down through hundreds of generations, giving it the scientific respect it has long deserved. Ian, thank you so much for joining us on the Streets of Your Town podcast. Really appreciate it. Glad to be here. So we are here at the launch of this really significant exhibition, which is really the culmination of years of work for yourself, isn't it? Can you give us a bit of a, a glimpse of what's brought us here today? Well, ultimately, it's about collaborations with First Nations communities. And, and, and that's where the magic happens with uh, research. So, I mean, I'm an archaeologist and certainly I have you know, certain skills but really we're about telling stories of Australia's fascinating Indigenous past. And the only way that can be done is when researchers like myself collaborate and partner with Indigenous communities, and that's where the real stories come through. So 
I can tell part of the story. I've got a few pieces of the jigsaw, but all the, the bulk of the, those pieces and the bulk of that, that information comes from working with communities. And together, we bring out these extraordinary stories of Australia's past, which, and in fact, that's what's happening with the Coral Sea. These are stories we didn't know existed until a few years ago. And is that a really pivotal change in, I mean, you've been an archaeologist for a while. To, to see that change, is that something that you find rewarding, that extra respect given to the oral history of our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people? Absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean archaeology in the past, uh, and I think for the right reasons, um, developed a bad reputation because it was operating by itself. And in a sense, that came out of the 19th century and it still had, it was still tainted by that colonial mentality. And we like to think that archaeologists are sort of, we've come a long way, but um, and, and really it's from w working and listening and not just listening, but hearing what Indigenous people say, that you've got to lift your game, right? You're doing a, an interesting job, but there's, you've got to do it the culturally proper way. So work with us, not you know, beside us, like work actually with us, collaborate in a meaningful way, and that's when proper stories will come out about our past. And I mean, it's, that, that's, why I love, that's why I love doing archaeology in Australia. The archaeology is interesting, but what I love, it's the friendships and partnerships you develop with communities. And that, that for me, is what really touches my heart. So tell me what's been revealed by this, by working with uh, our amazing First Nations people. Yeah. We've discovered networks through the Coral Sea going back over 6,000 years that we really didn't yeah. know about, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the traditional uh, academic view was that uh, Indigenous Australians were quite an isolated place in the world and there wasn't a lot of connection outside of Australia. We now know that, uh, in a nutshell, that's rubbish. Look, we've known for quite a while that uh, Aboriginal people of Northern Australia were interacting with Indonesian tree pangers there. That story has been coming out for a number of decades now. But now there's another story that's coming out, coming further to the, to the east coast, and that is about the amazing interactions that took place between North Queensland communities going through Torres Strait, but also into southern Papua New Guinea. And what we've found archaeologically really is the hard evidence of that, and it's the pottery that's telling us that story. Yeah, so I found it interesting that uh, you were in a midden, which, as you say, uh, this is another example of what you're saying, that it's kind of turned on its head what you've read in books, that it was middens were rubbish heaps. They're not at all. It's actually, you found some of this pottery and were able to date it going yeah, back by yeah. looking at it. Yeah, archaeologists, yeah, they refer to these, these, these piles of shell as, as middens, which sort of translates into rubbish heaps, and I think that's a completely inappropriate term. I mean, the, these, these are piles of shell that were part of people's homes, and so um, you, 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 we're actually working on, 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 on where people used to live and, where, and sometimes for hundreds of generations. So, um, so I, don't, I don't like that term rubbish heap. I think we're actually entering into people's sort of you know, domestic spaces. They're culturally important and they have a big story to tell because people have been camping at some of these places for generations and generations and literally thousands of years. So when I get into that pit that we've excavated that went down nearly two metres, I'm looking at very deep time cultural connections for multiple generations, multiple families, and, and that's what I find the most fascinating. It's just, it's, it's really, 
yeah, that's why I do it. It was worth it for the sawback that you had, just standing in that little hole, getting used to that, um, and mapping out every single yeah. shell. I get into the zone. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I love it. I mean, it's. Um, I mean, I've got a responsibility to do it properly, and that's why I, I'm very meticulous in the way that I work, because we have do. I mean, I, I consider it an absolute privilege to work on Indigenous heritage. So. With archaeology, you only get one shot at it when you do an excavation. So make sure you do it right and properly. So that's why I spend hours and hours and hours doing this meticulous work. Well, and it's good to see lots of people coming through the Queensland Museum to have a look at this and uh, hopefully learn a bit about our history that really you've been uncovering. There's a few different aspects to this too, which I found interesting. The pottery, yes, but as you said, the the exchange, I think the traditional white, I suppose, archaeological view was that it was a one-way exchange, but actually it, that's quite different. Yeah, it, it, look, we should have known this from the beginning. All interactions <laughs> are two-way, right? I mean, the answer was staring us in the face, really. Um, but and, 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 and that's what this Coral Sea exhibition does. It, it, it gives you that hard evidence of showing objects going backwards and forwards. So people are a little bit suspicious going, like, how do you know... You know, that, you, that there was this two-way interaction. Come to the exhibition, you'll see the objects there, you can look at the evidence yourself and, uh, and you'll certainly come to the same conclusion that we did, that this was a very dynamic cultural place. Interactions going backwards and forwards between Australia through Torres Strait into uh, southern Papua New Guinea. It's pretty refreshing to see that we've moved on from what was really a pretty patronising view, I think, of the contribution of our First Peoples in that yeah. Coral Sea region. Yeah, <laughs> patronising but also just in terms of academic work, it was wrong, right? Wrong, right? We, we had the wrong interpretation on this. And see, this is also what happens when you work closely with Indigenous communities. You realise a lot of what's been said in the past is in fact wrong or even worse, it's like it's quite misleading. It's sending the wrong message to people. So. Now we are working closely with, with communities. The right messages are coming through for everybody to enjoy. How pivotal this, this really is. It must be exciting for you as an archaeologist to be part of that work. Absolutely. I mean, that's what keeps me going. I've been doing it for, oh, well, hang on, 40 years. So, and, um, you know, I'm not going to stop any time soon. So it's, it's too much to do. I wonder what other old theories we might undo by actually speaking with and collaborating with First Nations people in the way that you have? Well unfortunately uh, colonial science was uh, very productive so they produced a lot of ideas that need overturning so we have decades of work to do to overturn these ideas so there's no shortage of work to be done. I'll just invite everybody to come along and, and, and come and uh, check out the exhibition. It's, it's visually spectacular. Yes it, they've re recreated the midden that yeah, you were in yeah. so you can stand in it yeah, like yeah. you did. Yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not quite sort of getting the shutters when I sort of see that but, um, but also we have this beautiful big projection I think it's a 12 metre long Torres Strait canoe that we've created and it's yeah it's 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 wonderful to see it to be brought to life so 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 that's never been done before so so that is a, a special treat for people to come and see and the beautiful artworks that were on the side of the canoes that's got a special place as well Be beautiful artworks but also these canoes were not just in a sense decorated to Ooh. look nice they're decorated to animate them because the canoes are object beings so they actually have a life of their own. So when they're out on the water, these canoes have agency. They're also taking people where they think people should go. These canoes are also used for turtle and dugong hunting. And so the canoes will also help sort of find, find the turtles, find the dugongs as well. So, and a lot of that happens through very sort of uh, 
often quite secret sort of rituals and ceremonies and stuff. So there's a very intimate relationship between the people on the boat and that canoe. So when you look at the canoe, you're not just looking at an inanimate object, you're actually looking at a, an animate object being, and it does move. See, I want people to really? bring Yeah, you can see it moving. You've got to stay there and look for a while and you'll yeah, see that? You'll see it actually move. So, oh, and, brilliant. Yeah. I'm going to go back and have another look, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's alive. So, yeah, and see, if it, and see if it follows you around the room when you walk around. Oh, that's brilliant. And it's wonderful to see lots of First Nations people here today, which I think does indicate, yeah, that collaboration as well. That's what it's all about, isn't it? So if uh, First Nations people don't like this, then we have failed. But I, but we haven't failed. There's a, as you say, there's a lot of people coming through the door here, which is wonderful, absolutely wonderful. was Monash University archaeologist Professor Ian McNiven and before him traditional owner and Dingal spokesman Kenneth McLean speaking to me for this episode of Streets of Your Town. Streets of Your Town is produced by Nance Haxton, aka The Wandering Journo, with production assistance from Michael Adams. That's it for this episode. I'm Nance Haxton. If you'd like to meet more everyday, incredible Australians, subscribe and listen to the back catalogue of Streets of Your Town, including Series 2, The Journo Project, on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please review and rate Streets of Your Town on your podcast provider, share the show with your mates, or join my wandering Journo tribe of supporters at the Streets of Your Town website. Site, soyt.substack.com. Mm-hmm.